Amen. Good morning. How are you this morning? Are you okay? You can respond. It's okay. I'm not that scary, honestly. Um, no, it's lovely to be with you. Thank you for the invitation to come. And uh, I, it's a great privilege um, as a pastor to be able to uh, preach and teach the Word of God. That's what I love to do. Um, it's one of the, the, the great passions in my life. Uh, my faith is really, really important, and I'm sure you're happy about that, seeing as I'm a pastor. Um, but for the last 20 years, I've been, I've been really studying the Word of God, and I love to teach it, so we're going to look at God's Word together. I also have another passion in life, um, which is my family, and I have my family down in Devon, uh, my mom and my dad and my sister and her family, so it's great I get free holidays down in Torquay, which is always nice. And um, so I've, I've got faith, I've got family, I've got one more F, just to give you an introduction. I love football as well. And I support the greatest football team in the world, which of course is Man United. Did, who booed? Who booed? You and me are going to fall out. But no, it's great to be uh, with you. Um, so we are looking at a series, right? We're looking at a series. Can you remember that? Yes. Yes, no, some of you have slept since last week. And looking at God, looking at this idea of, of God being incomparable. You've looked at God as creator, you've looked at God as sustainer. What was it last week? Knowable but unknowable? Yeah, that's, that was a tough one, wasn't it? This week we are looking at the idea of God being good. God is good. And... Um, when we talk about good, can I just say, when, you know, because we throw the word good around a lot, don't we? You might say, well, the pizza was good last night, or the film was good, or the sermon was good, hopefully. But we throw this word good around, but does it always mean amazing? So it was good. But actually, when the Bible talks about God being good... The Hebrew word actually means surpassing, perfect, preeminent. Did you say that about the salad you had last night? It was good. Was, was it surpassing? So when, when we talk about God being good, we're talking about him being perfect and amazing and being surpassing. So before we get into this, I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story about a little girl called Zoe, and Zoe is 10 years old. And Zoe lives with her mum and dad, and her grandma is unwell. And she's been in hospital, but to recuperate, grandma comes to live with Zoe and her family for a while. And Zoe is in charge of looking after granny. And granny is upstairs in bed, and every time granny wants a drink, 10-year-old Zoe has to run up and downstairs to get her a drink, get her a cup of coffee, whatever it might be. I think Granny had a little bell that she used to ring to summon Zoe. And Zoe started to get a bit fed up with this, and she started to lose heart. And she did something that I've never heard of before, and she put her grandma up for sale on eBay. <laughs> okay, this is Zoe. The bids started to come in. And soon it reached £20,000 before eBay had a clue what was happening. And then they took Granny off the site. Apparently you can't transport Grannies in the back of white vans. Um, no, no. But 
they actually said that if they hadn't taken grandma down off the site, she would have reached a princely sum. And some of you are sat there thinking, well, make a few quid, couldn't we put granny up for sale? <laughs> some of you are sat there thinking, well, I'm a grandma, I'm not sure I'm happy about this. <laughs> but the point is, is that, that I wanted to draw from that was Zoe began to lose heart. And I don't know about you, but there is a danger in which we might be losing heart. We've been through a lot, haven't we? Yeah? I mean, just think about the last few years. We've had Brexit. We had COVID. A war in Ukraine. Financial crisis and problem. So many things going on, and even in our own lives. Think about kind of health problems, financial struggles, relationship struggles. We, we all go through stuff in our lives, don't we? And so when we're looking at this idea that God is good, we also have to remember that life is hard. Yeah, those are two statements that are true, aren't they? But they're seemingly opposite. It's a paradox, isn't it? They're both true, but they seem to be different. Because if life is hard, then can God still be good? Because we sometimes seem to equate, if our life is going well, then God's blessing us. But if our life isn't going so well, there's a danger in which we might go, well, God's not not really that good, because things aren't going well. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we got these two things, and... I get to talk to you this morning about this idea that God is good, but I can't talk about God being good without understanding that also life is hard. So growing up in church, I, I grew up in, in church, a uh, Baptist church. I went to church every Sunday, twice on a Sunday. Some of you will know what that was like. Parents dragged me to church for the first 17 years of my life, every Sunday, And there was a phrase that I sometimes would hear in church. Maybe you know this one. God is good. And then people would respond almost like Pavlov's dogs. They would have this automatic response and say, all the time. Should we give it a go? Come on, Haywood Heath Baptist Church, this is your moment to shine. Okay? God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. See, that was great. Well done. And I was thinking about this idea that God is good all the time. And what I wanted to do this morning, just for a few moments, is share with you this idea that if God is good all the time, I w- and God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, I want to look at what was, what is, and what is to come. Nice, easy three-point sermon. It's got to be, isn't it? Baptist sermon's got to be three points. So I want to look at with you what was. And to do that, we're going to go into the Old Testament. And we're going to look at a very familiar passage of Scripture. If this will work. I don't know if this will work. There we go. Genesis 50. Some of you, hopefully, will have heard this verse before. It says, But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You meant to do me harm, but God meant it for good. Anyone heard that verse before? Okay, so if tomorrow morning you wake up and you're having your cuppa 
and on your phone, maybe you've got an app and it pings and this is your verse for the day. The most important thing we've got to do is work out the context, right? I mean, who's Joseph talking to? What, what's going on? We can't just take a verse. And this is, one of my, this is one of my subjects. I get a bit frustrated if we just take a verse out of context. So Joseph. Joseph is a major player in the Bible. Did you know that? He's mentioned over 200 times in Scripture. If you want to know the story, it's Genesis 30 to 50. Um, so he gets 20 chapters just to himself. It's amazing. And he's talking to his brothers. And I'm sure some of you who grew up in church, you know the story. Maybe some of you, maybe you went to see the show, right? Remember Jason Donovan jumping around in his technicolored coat? And so we, we know the story, don't we, about this kid. He's a 17-year-old, okay? And he's in a bit of a dysfunctional family. Why do I say that? Because his father loves him more than his older brother's. So this cocky 17-year-old is walking around. He gets all these gifts, and one of them is this coat of many colors. And then he goes up to his older brothers, and he says, oh, by the way, you know, one day you're going to bow down to me. I mean, as, a, as the youngest, if I said that to my sister, I would have got in serious trouble. He's a bit cocky and full of himself. But it's this dysfunctional family that he's in. And one day, he's walking along to go and see his brothers, and they don't like him. And they decide they're going to kill him. Can you believe that? Here comes this dreamer. Let's kill him. Now, one of the brothers goes, no, 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 don't, don't kill him. We'll throw him in a pit, and he can starve to death. Nice, right? This is the Bible. It's, it's real. That was Reuben. But he meant to go back and save him later. But he left, and another brother says, do you know what? We're going to sell him. And he sees some slave traders. And they sell him. He's like, let's make a few quid. Can you believe that this would happen? Can you imagine if this happened in your family? By the way, the brother who sold him, do you know what his name was? His name was Judah. This is the same guy who slept with his daughter-in-law. Oh, and it's the same guy who from his descendants will come Jesus Christ. You tell me God's not merciful. You tell me God can't do amazing things. So Joseph is sold. He's betrayed by his brothers. He's sold to some slave traders. He's taken to Egypt. He's sold again. He's then falsely accused of rape and thrown in prison. I mean, can you think about what his brothers did to him? And not only what they did to him, but what did they do to their dad? Do you know how long they lied to their father? Does anyone know? The Bible actually tells us. 22 years. For 22 years, they kept up a lie. Do you remember they went back with the cloak and they dipped it in blood and they go, oh, a ferocious animal killed your boy. 22 years and they never told him. Unbelievable, isn't it? So then what happens is, Joseph, of course, we know the story, he gets elevated to the second highest in the kingdom of Egypt. An incredible story. He's the guy, right? He's the boss. He makes all of Pharaoh's decisions. If he says, take their heads, your head's gone. And his brothers turn up because they need some grain. 
but they don't recognize Joseph. And Joseph is there and his brothers are sat around and he's having a bit of fun with them. He's playing with them, if you know the story. He kind of has a bit of fun with them. And at one point in the story, the brothers go, God is punishing us for what we did to our brother. And it was interesting, as I was thinking about that and this verse, the two reactions that we can have of the fact that life is hard. As a pastor, I talk to people and sometimes people say, God must be punishing me for the stuff that I'm going through in my life. And yet Joseph, all that he went through, he said, you meant it for harm, but God meant it for good. It's an incredible, incredible concept the theological, biblical concept here that God is good and that God can take and transform stuff that happens to us and can use it for good. I don't know whether you've ever experienced that in your life. I have. I went through a, a period in my life a few years ago which was a really dark period. I really struggled. But do you know what kept me going? Was the fact that I knew that God was at work in my life, and God meant it for good. Even though individual people meant it for evil toward me, I knew that God meant it for good. And that idea and that picture is brought to its great climax at the cross. This idea that people can treat Jesus badly, and yet it was for good, wasn't it? Yes? Are you still awake, or are you falling asleep? That's good. And so this idea that actually Jesus and Joseph have great similarities. The theologians would call it, they have fancy names for everything, and um, they, they call it typology. This idea that characters in the Old Testament foreshadowed Jesus. They were a type of Jesus. So Moses was a mediator between God and the people, and Jesus is our mediator. David was the great king of Israel, and Jesus is our king, isn't he? And Joseph, there are great similarities. I'm not going to go through all of them for you because there are over a hundred. And some of you might get a little twitchy because you want to get home for your lunch. But let me just give you a couple. Can I? Is that all right? Some similarities between the story of Joseph and Jesus. And you can go away and look at this for yourself. Both had a miraculous birth. Both were their father's favorite son. Both were hated by their brothers. Both had death conspired against them. Both were taken down into Egypt. Both were betrayed. Both were sold for the price of a slave. Both became servants. Both were reunited with their father. And both became royalty. And both of them were not recognized. They weren't recognized. The brothers didn't recognize Joseph. I mean, I, I thought to myself, if I saw my sister after 22 years, I, I'd probably recognize her. Why on earth didn't Joseph's brothers recognize Joseph? Well, I imagine that he would have completely transformed his appearance. He would have had all those bracelets and makeup or whatever the Egyptians were wearing. His hair was cut really short. You know, sometimes people ask me the question, 
Why didn't the Jews believe in Jesus? You know, they don't recognize him because he looks very different. Most of the pictures I see of Jesus look like he's from Norway or something. They don't recognize him. But one day they will. And I love to explore and I love to delve into the Hebraic Jewish background of Jesus and explore how that all works out. But both of them weren't recognized. It's amazing the similarities between both Jesus and Joseph. Both knew what it was to face the fact that life is hard. Didn't he, Jesus? Beaten, ridiculed, insulted, nailed to a cross. I think he knew exactly what it was for life to be hard, but he also knew that God was good. When he was asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What did he say? Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. He knew that God is good. And so we've looked at what was. I now want to look at what is. So what was in the Old Testament? What is in the New Testament? And there's that great verse, isn't there? In Romans 8, Paul sets out his theological kind of base and he's talking about we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And he's talking, of, then comes into Romans 8, and I love this chapter. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he says, we know, we know, he says, that God causes everything. Do you see how this verse ties in with Genesis 50? You meant it for harm, but God meant it for good. It ties in together. We know that God causes everything, even my stupid mistakes. He causes everything to work together. And we don't always understand it, do we? I know you guys have been following a series, looking at this book and looking at the characteristics of God, and we can't always understand it all, can we? Are you still here? We, we can't understand God fully, can we? Well, I know I can't because I'm finite and I'm sinful and I'm a human being and God is far above anything that I could possibly imagine. And he's all-knowing and all-powerful and perfect and holy and good and loving and gracious all the time. And I'm not. And sometimes I've just got to surrender to it. Sometimes I've got to get out of this mindset that I'm trying to be intellectual and I've got to try to just surrender to the fact that God is good. And even when people betray us and hurt us and lie about us and cause us pain, yet despite all of that, God is still good. It doesn't change the fact. And the Apostle Paul, many of you know, his life was a life of suffering and pain. You just read Corinthians. He's shipwrecked about 20 times, beaten, stoned, left for dead, and ultimately he was beheaded. He knew his whole believing life. He knew what it was to suffer and face abuse. And yet this same man, even in the midst of misery, even in the midst of suffering, could say, God is good and God is working all things for good. And you might sit there and go, is he out of his mind? Is he nuts? 
Because if we're totally honest, not with our church face on, we all, we all have a church face, do you know that? You know, people come into church when I've been a pastor and people walk in and, and, and I say to them, how are you doing? And, oh, I'm blessed, pastor. Oh, yes, I'm fine. And I'm thinking, you've just had a Barney with the missus and the kids are driving you mad and you've got all kinds of stuff going on. Oh, I'm fine, yes, I'm blessed. We all have a church face, don't we? In my, in my opinion, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay because this should be a place where we can come and go, I need some help. Shouldn't it? And if we're honest, most of the time, when we are suffering and when we are going through the difficult times, the turbulence of life, and I don't mean just when you, you know, you've got a flat tire and you're late for work. I mean gut-wrenching pain, trauma, bereavement. We all go through it. None of us are immune. And if we're totally honest there are times where we might ask ourselves, what good could come out of it? Have you been there? Hopefully. Is anybody with me? I don't know. I mean, you know, for me, it's, it's not a religious game, church. We've got to be real, haven't we? You go to Alcoholics Anonymous. If I walked in and said, hi, my name is Paul and I'm, I'm an alcoholic, everyone would be like, hi, Paul. If I walked into a church and said, hi, my name is Paul, I'm an alcoholic, I, for me, church should be a place where we can come and be honest and real and go, I've got questions and I'm going through stuff in my life. And Paul is saying, God is working all things for good to those who, what? Love God and are called according to his purpose. That those are the precursors. And we can know that God is good and is working good out so we've had joseph we've had jesus we've had the apostle paul and they all know that life is hard but god is good and finally as i finish what was what is and what is to come i love to i like to look at the past i like to live in the present but i also like to look and see what is to come biblically speaking for me and for you and though we go to the, uh, the end of the Bible. Revelation 21, many of us know these verses. When we are in the new heavens and the new earth and when we are with him for eternity, it says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look or see, God's glory is with humankind and he will live with them and they will be his people and he himself will be with them. Emmanuel, he will be with us. He's going to live with us. We won't have to live by faith anymore. It says, look, see, we will live by sight and we will experience God and he will wipe away every tear. There will no longer be any death. There'll be no longer any mourning, crying or pain. I don't know about you, but I'm up for that. We will enjoy intimacy with the Lord closer than we ever dreamed possible. Why? Because he is it's going to be good, guys. You can smile. Just think about how good it's going to be. The fight will be over. And we will be in the fullness of God's goodness. And we will be able to say that we lived happily ever after. You know, we all experience so much pain. As a pastor dealing with folk, there's, there's so much pain in this world. 
There's too much pain. But soon, we will get to say farewell to every illness and every disease. We will get, <coughs> excuse me, to say farewell to the sterile world of surgery and anesthesia and intensive care and the unending amount of tablets we have to take and all the ectomies that we have to have. And it'll all be, it'll all be gone. Depression will be gone. As with every other illness, there'll be no need for hospitals, cancer clinics, drug rehab, prison, divorce court, care homes, funeral homes. And we can legit legitimately say, God is good and it is all good. I'm going to ask the musicians if they'll come back. You know, one of the... Uh, <coughs> One of the great challenges, I think, for us is that there can be a danger in which we can lose heart when we look at our world, when we go through those dark moments, when we go through the trauma of life. But I want to encourage you not to be like Zoe, who put her grandma up for sale on eBay, who lost heart. I want to encourage you, Haywood Heath Baptist Church, I want to encourage you, don't lose heart. Because God is good. And he is working his good purposes out. And one day we will be with him forever in glory. And it will be good. And we're going to sing a song in a moment. It's one of my favorite songs. And during... This song, if you would like prayer, I'm going to be at the front. I, I would love to pray with you. Maybe you want to grab one of the leaders. Maybe just somebody you trust and say, would you pray with me? But don't leave here. Don't just go and have a coffee and go home. Take the opportunity. If you're struggling this morning, if there's stuff going on in your life, then seek prayer. I'd love to pray with you as we sing this amazing song that says, I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercies never fail me. All my days I'm held in your hand from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head. I will sing.